Howdy, y'all. How we doing? This episode is brought to you by the Patreon community that supports this podcast. Uh, they help keep the lights on, and I appreciate them a lot, and uh, every little bit helps. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash south of scruffy and check it out. See if you want to be part of that community. Also, uh, southofscruffy.com is up and running. You can get the latest episodes of the podcast there. There's a merch store, and there's other ways to support the podcast there as well. Check it out. See how you like it. Let's do the podcast now. We're doing the podcast. All right, welcome in, guys. How we doing? South of Scruffy Podcast. My name is Ben Fields. I am the host of this podcast, and I'm glad you're here. I've got Cruz Contreras on the show today. Uh, you know Cruz from the Black Lilies. Uh, you know him from Robinella and the CC String Band. But uh, something you may or may not have known is Cruz is going solo. Uh, he just cut a new album called Cosmico, and that should be out very soon. We had a great chat about the Cosmico album and where it was recorded. It sounds like it's going to be really a great album. I'm excited to hear it. I've heard him play a few songs off of it uh, just live, and they're really great. So I'm on. Uh, I'm not at home. I'm at. Uh, I'm at the beach. I'm at the fa- uh, family beach trip. Uh, we're in Isle of Palms, South Carolina. It's gorgeous and a much needed break uh, to get away. It's been really nice um, since we've been down here. We've started to see. You know, some soft openings of restaurants. Um, there have been <laughs> riots. There's uh, been a curfew in, in the whole county uh, where Charleston is. So uh, we've been having to get in at 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. about every night. Um, that's not been a lot of fun to watch, but it, the, things have calmed down quite a bit since we've been down here and everything's starting to settle down. I hope it's all going to be all right because uh, this is a wonderful place. And so, so if it sounds a little bit different in here. That's, uh, that's, that's why I'm not, I'm not in the shop. Um, I recorded with Cruz in Knoxville the day before I left, but, uh, the intro and outro I recorded in South Carolina. Um, but since I've been down here, don't you guys worry. I I have not, uh, I've, I've not taken a week off since I've been here. I, I recorded an interview with a Charleston local that a few of you may know. And, uh, that podcast will be out next week on June 15th. And, um, that's going to be a fun one. All right. Cruz was an amazing guest. He's been one that I've been wanting to talk to for a long time. So Cruz's son, Cash, who I remember hearing about when he was born, you know, which was 16 years ago, he just started driving and uh, he was going to come meet Cruz at my house after the podcast was over to get something. I don't know what they were meeting up for, but uh, Cash got there a little bit early and I started to hear this voice outside the shop when I was when I was talking to Cruz and and I don't think Cruz could hear it, but I started to hear it. And I said, is that, I, fi- I figured it had to be cash. It had just gotten there early. And so I you know, told Cruz, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd go let him in. So I, I got up and, and uh, I thought they would just finish their, their business. And, and then Cruz would sit back down with me and we'd go along our way, go along on our way. Um, but when I told Cruz, I was going out to get him, Cruz said, well, he's never been on a podcast before. <laughs> So the second half of this podcast is both Cruz and Cash Contreras. Cash sat down with us and that was really cool because he gave, you know, a young kid's view of being on the tour bus when he was four or five years old, watching his mom and dad out on the road and kind of, it, it just gave a different window into it. And it was really interesting. They even had a couple little moments on, on, on the mic where they got to work out some, they got to air some dirty laundry. It was pretty sweet, uh, but it, it was great. I'm really glad that Cash 
crashed it. Crash Contreras. That's what I'm going to call him. <laughs> but it was really great. I'm so glad that he that he came by and did it. And uh, so let's let's get into it, guys. Here we go. Cruz and Cash Contreras. Hey, at least we're not on TV here. I feel like I've got like, I'm not saying I have a twitch in my left eye, but you know, you're kind of just like, it's like, am I stressed? Am I unhappy? What's going on? Um, Did the coffee not work? Coffee's working. (laughs) Definitely. Well, it's like my neighbor over there, speaking of having a knack for it, he's got a knack for firing up the lawnmower right when we, uh, right when we (laughs) sit down. What neighbors are for? Yeah. Does that happen when you record? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I go back to um, the second Robin L and the CC string band record we recorded in East Nashville. Have you ever been to a place called the Treehouse? It's uh, uh, right in Five Points. And back in those days, it, um, you know, there was um, it was um, that was just a home, and it was owned by a friend of mine. Buddy Spiker, a fiddle player, longtime fiddle player, Nashville fiddle player that me and my brother grew up with. He was a mentor of ours. And uh, we recorded in his house there, and there was no central heat and air. So the first thing you had to do was turn the wall unit on full blast in the morning and try to freeze out the house. Yeah. Because once you start recording, you have to turn it off, and it's going to be. So we're all sitting there, like, freezing. We turn it off, and we're like, okay, time to go. And then it's like... And these are shotgun houses, so yeah. like the mower is like right outside the window. Yeah, and you're burning your you're burning your AC. And this is <laughs> this is when we're making records in one day. You know, oh, these really? are like 24 hour records too. So yeah. I just yeah, lawn mowers and recording. Is that where you're from? Are you from Nashville? Hand. I went to high school in Nashville. Okay, at uh, Father Ryan High School. Oh yeah, and I went to middle school in Franklin Franklin Junior High. Okay, so well, where'd you grow up? Here and there, <laughs> north and south, Midwest, Southern. Um, my mom is from Southwest Michigan, okay. and that's where I was born. Okay, grew up in uh, Southwest County, there, Berrien County, a town called Bridgman. Uh, it was named after my family, really, and a uh, super small town, few thousand people, and uh, kind of. I when I go back, I call it Narnia. <laughs> I didn't realize, you know, it's one of those. But the doors are unlocked, and you can get let your kids run, and right on Lake Michigan, there's a uh, farming culture there kind of went from fruit farms at the time to now a lot of vineyards and yeah, that's cool. breweries and distilleries and um, just a beautiful place to grow up. Um, my dad worked for Whirlpool Corporation, which is headquartered up there, and then mm. he got transferred to Laverne, just south of Nashville. Mm. So we moved here probably like eighty eight, eighty nine. Okay, and um, I that w- I was in seventh grade, so. I went from yeah. That's a tough time. For it a was to, a tough time. To move you know, I was playing sports. I was quarterback of my football team. Really? playing basketball. I was very into that. Was playing classical piano. Yeah. And um, we moved to Franklin, and it was culture shock for me. Really? Um, there was a lot of division in the school at that time. You know, it, yeah. We're we're it was pretty homogenous where I lived. It's a nineties. Uh, eighty nine maybe. Eighty nine. And I just ran into a lot of issues that I, that were new to me. You know, yeah. I didn't know what a prep was. I didn't know what a redneck was. I didn't know what racial issues were. Those right. Things I'd never encountered. Yeah. And uh, definitely got thrown into that. And um, did you have to face any of that kind of stuff yourself, or did were just did you... <sighs> in the middle of it? Yeah. Those are very turbulent few years in school. Yeah. I'm sure for everybody involved. And kids are mean. You know? Kids are brutal, and it was it was out of control. It was definitely like you know you were there was a lot of fighting and a lot of threats and a lot of physical altercations, yeah. and that was like a daily 
daily thing you had to face. It was not a relaxed place. Was it not? Place to be, no. Did you have to learn how to take care of yourself? Uh, just, in my case, I would say more avoid. Yeah, just, you know, because yeah. it was pretty brutal. There was some, there was some mean people, yeah. mean big dudes there. So, not messing around. Yeah, no doubt. I remember, I remember like fighting was so cool in middle school. It's what everybody wanted to do. Everybody's got that aggression. Thought, it, again, small town, fighting was pretty cool. Yeah. Get, Get to where people aren't joking around. It's not. Yeah, it's that's. Not. You see yeah, people get bloodied up and you know, yeah, kind of cool. unconscious or yeah. something. Like, uh, I don't yeah. like this. Yeah. So parents together while you're up in Michigan, and then move down to uh, Franklin, which is yeah. which is like crazy huge now, right? It is. Yeah, and the, and it I, wasn't then. The huh? Franklin that I grew up in does not barely exist anymore, and it yeah. it helps me not be homesick. I still have friends there, and still have <laughs> yeah. you know. A community there. We were fortunate enough to go back um, the past few years, uh, last fall specifically, and play the Franklin Theater. Oh, cool. And um, you know, with the Black Lilies coming to an end over this past year, that was meant a lot to me to go back to Franklin. And yeah, it was funny. Um, Some closure. It's kind of like what's that? Like the, this is your life. You know, like all the people from your life. Yeah. Your teachers and your the people you went to church with and. Oh, did I, they all come to the show? Oh, you yeah, got to yeah, see yeah, your, yeah. Oh, that's and it so was great. really crazy because it was kind of like I remember taking a double take. I'm not going to mention names, but you know, you would see somebody and be like, "Oh my gosh, wow, I haven't seen them so long." And you know, in movies when they do makeup on people to make them look old, yeah, that's what it looked like. It looked like I was like, "Wait a minute, who did did they? Is that makeup?" I'm like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no, we're just and twenty then years like, old." And they're like, "Look at me. If you look like that, what do I look like?" like <laughs> um, but there's really nothing more affirming or kind of heartwarming than, you know, reconnecting like that. Yeah. I was thinking about that specifically, the Franklin Theater and going back, and I can't wait to get back with the new music, perform under my name and really represent who I am and what I am and where I'm from and just kind of have that more straightforward, simple approach rather than yeah. How the, is the machine? The ba- how is the band feeling today? How is yeah. the machine? How is this thing? Yeah. Oh God! Here we go. Yeah, you know. So, uh, did you grow up with brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. There's yeah. four of us. Okay, I'm the oldest uh, son, and okay. I have a brother Cyprian who's two years younger than me. Kind of what they call them, like Irish babies. You know, I say oh, two yeah. years. Irish it's twins. Less, yeah. Irish twins. Yeah. yeah, it's less than two years. It's like kind of boom, boom. Yeah. Um, and then we have a sister, Candy, who's two years younger than Sip. So we're all kind of like in a row. And then we have a, a younger brother, Billy, who's eight years younger than me. And, okay. Uh, and him and I are both the musicians of the family. Yeah. So you guys, you guys, uh, you guys both uh, are the are the two that decided to make music your your deal. Are you the only ones yeah. in the family? Yeah. Professionally, are your parents do it. My dad um, comes from a very musical family. The gotcha. Contreras family is from Houston, Texas. That's where my dad's from. Okay. Big family, um, and music was something taught and, and learned by everybody, all generations, multiple generations. I have, um, we have my, my great grandfather's fiddle, who is from San Luis Potosi, Mexico. He moved to Houston, Texas, and I think around like 1908. Um, and, um, so that's when the Contreras clan made it to, made it to the mm -hmm, States was in the 1908. Mm -hmm. So my brought music with him. Yeah. And it, you know, from what I understand also from that region of San Luis po- or from Mexico, whenever I talk to someone about, about that, you're like, oh, my family's from here. They're like, oh, this is like, like that's where all the hippies are and the musicians really? and the artists. Ah. And it really um, has 
really permeates throughout the Contreras family. So in that generation, everybody played classical piano, gotcha, jazz piano, you know, violin. Um, and it just between, you know, with the, the cousins now, there we could have multiple bands. And really? there are multiple, like, professional musicians. Um, I actually have a concept for a Contreras family tour, which I think I've got everybody to buy in <laughs> to. And so Dude. we're thinking, um, you know, getting my son Cash and his mom, Robin, and my brother Billy and his wife Amanda is a just a – Kind of a dead ringer for like Emmy Lou Harris type oh, vocal yeah, type yeah, delivery, yeah. Um, and then my cousin Terry, who lives in Nashville, Terry Palmer. He's um he's my first cousin, and he plays for a guy named John Party. I know that name. Um, country, yeah, you know, country star, and um, you know that's just like that's just the Tennessee branch of like country musicians. That's, yeah, I think there's probably a few heavy metal bands in Texas that we <laughs> that can, have Contreras yeah, too. <laughs> Well, that's excellent. So it was the, it was the, it was the, it's, it's in your blood, man. It's it the is. family heritage. It is. And what's so, it's so cool now, now with this, um, you know, under the, you know, considering the circumstances, you know, with everyone being, you know, many of us being at home or yeah. our, our industries turned upside down or shut down. Um, I, I've begun teaching lessons online virtually awesome. and I've taught in the past, just never that consistently. I'm not a trained educator, but I have taught music lessons, um, uh, you know, now and again. And so what I realized was I could um, stay in touch with friends and family by offering up music lessons. That's awesome. So I literally started with my nieces and nephews and I've, I've been making kind of a, a joke. I said, I'm like, welcome to the uh, Frederick Contreras School of Music, which is my dad. <laughs> oh, gotcha. And my dad played piano by, he could read classical, but he could also play by ear. And yeah. when we were kids, what he would do after work, he'd come home and he would stop by the music store and buy sheet music, whatever popular songs, show tunes, cla- you know, whatever music he was into. And he would learn enough. He would read enough to like, you know, get the chords and the mm-hmm. rhythm and the and the melody. But he would improvise and embellish. Yeah. And we would run around the house, and the, the house was situated where we could make a loop. Yeah. And every time we'd come around the loop, we'd be like faster, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And just, I, but I just was, have this picture that, you know, out of the corner of my eyes, like seeing his hands move like a blur. But it's as you know, I'm like kindergarten, five, six years old, and I'm seeing how it is to arrange and improvise and develop mm-hmm. a theme mm-hmm. on the fly. Yeah. And he taught me, um, first thing he taught me was Doe a Deer, yeah. you know, like from the sound yeah. of music. And I remember being just high enough to see the piano. Dun, 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 dun. I'm like, what better song to learn first? Yeah. If you, you buy into that, the, you know, the philosophy that what you learn first is most important. Yeah. I think I learned the best in, in the universe, the best possible song. Like it is all music theory in a song right there for you. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it's theory right away. It's the thing. Yeah. It's so, excellent. Yeah. When did you start picking it up then? Piano. The, yeah. Or music. And I mean, yeah. So that, like I said, probably around five or six and uh, my parents had me take, you know, piano lessons from the neighborhood teacher. Yeah. And I stuck with that for a few years. And I think I won a talent contest in my hometown, hometown playing Turkey in the Straw. In which, Michigan still? Yeah, which always yeah. I get a kick out of because, like, it's so not a piano song. It's really like a yeah. like an old-time fiddle song. Yeah, yeah. But I did it, however it goes. Um, and my neighbor at the time, who we're, we're still friends to this day, um, 
took my cousin next door and showed her where her trophies were for winning all these piano awards. She's like, well, this is where my next trophy's going to go. <laughs> and I didn't, I was not really privy to this, but I won that trophy. I won that trophy that was supposed to go on her shelf. And you get a little taste of some positive affirmation. Yeah. Like, oh, well, okay. You know, this isn't too hard. This is fun. You maybe know, I'm good at this. Maybe you're good at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it just, you kind of get hooked. And um, I, yeah, I, I basically took classical um, lessons probably up through about seventh grade till I was playing football, and that I that get in the way. Yeah, I, yeah. I had spent so many years kind of faking like I was reading music. I was really learning by ear. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and my teacher thro- starts throwing these Bach inventions or not? In, I don't know what they were. Something. Yeah. A little more. It was it advanced. was and above of, what you had learned. Yes, <laughs> and all of a sudden I was like, uh, "This is I can't read this." And like, so I'm kind of caught. I'm frustrated. I'm playing football, and I tell my dad, "I was like, I'm I'm quitting piano." Mm. He's like, "Well, you got to tell your teacher." And how did Dad feel about uh, it? Was he bummed? He, he was not happy because yeah. we had a deal. The deal was every year I would sign up for baseball, and he would say, "Will you play piano for me?" He's like, if you want to play baseball, cool, but you're going to keep playing piano. You're the oldest son, and, and, and I'm like, you, you got to carry on his. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. cool, no problem. Yeah. I, I love baseball, so just yeah. sign me up for piano. But it was very telling. My, uh, my teacher's name was Alfie Barrett. She was in, lived in St. Joseph, Michigan. And um, I went to her, and I was telling her, like, hey, I'm, I, I can't play piano anymore. I'm playing football. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm this tough guy. I'm playing quarterback. And I start bawling my eyes out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm quitting <laughs> piano. I'm tough. I'm gonna play football. <laughs> I'm like, this is so wrong on so many levels. I think I should have known then. And you're like 12 at this point. Yeah, yeah. probably like 12, 13. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yep. That day. I'm gonna shut that computer that keeps making noise right there. Okay. Because it's stressing me out. There we go. <laughs> My hearing's shot. I can't hear it. Yeah. I can barely. I, I hear the low hum of the of the um, mower, of but the it's kind of soothing, really. Yeah, just like rocking me to sleep here. So uh, quitting quit, or getting in the way of of music, sports kind of started to do. I guess it we, did. I did. It's make, like puberty yeah. time, right? It's like yeah. the Boy Scouts. They say it's right. the it's the it's the liquids. It's it's perfume, gasoline, and alcohol that like starts to get in the way yes. of like people doing what what they've grown up doing. Yeah, it was a. Intense time. That's intense age for anybody. And uh, for me, like I said, I was wanting to go sports, but then we moved. We moved from Bridgman, Michigan to Franklin, Tennessee. And there was kind of also like a little hiccup in my sports routine because I'm in a different school. I don't know anybody. And um, it's a bigger school and there's a lot of competition, which ended up being good for me because I higher competition by the time I went to Father Ryan I I made the basketball team and I was running track and cross country yeah. and was still going for it but something that happened you know if you look why would anybody feel like they needed to make music or be on a stage or write songs or do any of this and at the time I was not singing I was just it was all instrumental piano right. music and um when we moved to Franklin, we moved into one of these kind of like cookie cutter neighborhoods, you know, yeah. all the houses look the same yep. and, you know, people aren't that social. They don't really know each other. They probably, everybody's probably moved from different places. And, um, I had only gone to uh, the junior high for a month or two. So I had made friends, but I was really homesick, really, really missing my family, missing my friends and, uh, back home and it was sad. Yeah. 
plain set. I bet, man. And um, have I, you know, I basically sat down at the piano, probably just to console myself, and started improvising and, and in my mind writing these instrumental songs. Right. And people took notice right away, and it was something that I was like addicted to, probably in a healthy way. And, so it's uh, kind of like some homesickness and some uncertainty and maybe even some loneliness kind of drove you back to music? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, That's excellent. You know, and sure, I was enjoying playing sports and getting after that, but the music was what was getting me through it. And I th- my dad took note. He was like, oh, he can make up music. Mm-hmm. This kid can – I mean, I'm not literally writing it down. Right. And uh, so he uh, pretty soon after that found me a teacher. He's like, okay – I found you a teacher. They're not a, it's not a classical teacher, but they're, it's more of a jazz improvisational thing. He's like, he's doing his best to do that. And um, uh, found me a teacher in Franklin there who actually ended up being a really great mentor in a very like um, kind of like emotionally supportive way. Yeah. I think this teacher could see that I was struggling and was, you know, was helping me with music, but was also encouraging me just to, to stay strong through that. Um, and then he found me a teacher at Belmont University that um, it's a great taught school. me jazz improv, and uh, that was that was enlightening. I ended up getting a scholarship to Vanderbilt to study private lessons and theory, really as a result of a, a talent show my freshman year at Father Ryan High School. Really, and I I had taken one of these pieces. It was all just music I'd made up in my head. Yeah. And I get out there, and I'm like the nervous freshman, and I'm the last part of the song. This is, it's like a mini rock opera, and the last part I'm like rocking out, and the bench, I stand up, and the bench goes flying. I swear I did not mean to kick it, mm-hmm. but in high school, kids think that is really, really cool. They lose it. They lost it. I mean, <laughs> that was my first day of like rock and roll. Like, yeah. You know, you walk down the hallway the next day, and I was like, dude, are you that guy, you know? And was that the moment when you felt like it, this might be okay? It started to like, yeah. So my freshman year, I was playing basketball, but I'd also broken my ankle playing mm. soccer. And it was starting to become a struggle. I still wanted to play sports, but I was injured. Mm-hmm. And then I started having these very positive experiences with music. Yeah. So there was the talent show. This this lady, uh, Miss DeJesus, comes up to me. is the first time I met her. And she's Filipino. And she comes up to me. And she's her daughters went to school um, there. She's like, she's like, Comes up, she comes up, she's like, you be Prince. You be <laughs> Prince. You be next Prince. Prince, study classical music. You study classical music. Go to Vanderbilt. And I'm like, uh, okay, all right. And she got me audition at Vanderbilt. And really? I, I won the scholarship. It's amazing. And I had a, um, a really Dude. world-class teacher, uh, Charlene Harb, who's from at, Knoxville. At Vanderbilt? Yeah, so she was teaching there. She's the principal piano player for the uh, Nashville symphony okay at the time and um has was from knoxville part of the harb family bunch here. of harbs around yeah here. so that played in when i ended up coming to knoxville and i got another scholarship here at ut that was related to her family yeah and um you know just a lot of connections there so that was my piano classical world um but it, really oh go ahead well i was gonna say miss miss de jesus kind of drove you to say let's do this for real yeah you, pr- you be Prince. You be Prince. You be Prince. Prince studied classical music. And then so yeah. that so that led to the audition at Vanderbilt. And then did, was that uh, like an undergraduate program? It was. Okay. Yeah. Which was spectacular. So you got um, a scholarship to play music at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. And when. <laughs> That's pretty great. In high school. Yeah. And it did, it did change 
my um, attitude towards academics a little bit because basically when I was about 15, I decided I wanted to play music. Really? And I always did well in school, but I reprioritized to the point that I went from making straight A's to straight F's. Yeah. Um, my dad brought my report card to me and he, he did the math going to private high school and he said, you owe me $200 per class. Yeah. I was going to say father Ryan's not cheap. Yeah. He's like, all right. And I, you know, I gave him 200 bucks per class, which hurt. Yeah. And I went, I got rid of my AP classes. I got rid of my honors classes. I went, mm-hmm. to, I went whatever mid-level. Yeah. I made straight A's and I learned yeah. more in the, in the average classes, honestly. Yeah. Well, I bet it was less stress for you too. It, it was, seems like yeah. you, your priorities had shifted a bit had, from so, academics and sports to making music. Yeah. So I would still, and even after I stopped playing sports, I would still work out with the teams and oh, the cool. gym and hang out Yeah. and I would play music. My teachers would let me out of class to go. I just like show them my books I'd, and they'd be like, go ahead. That's and great. I would go practice music half the day. And um, they're like, here's the chosen one. They're like, he's lost. He's lost. Just <laughs> don't even try. It's excellent. And um, it's funny we're even talking about this. This this part of my musical past really never gets talked about. Yeah, it's always I, yeah. it's always the country bluegrass background, which is the bulk of it. Yeah, this was just kind of the, a, a teeny, real an important thread, but kind of a out not non visible thread. Well, I I think I noticed that with a lot of musicians and like especially in the bluegrass world. Um, a lot of them are jazz trained and a lot of that seems to cross over for some reason. I know mm-hmm. that bluegrass and jazz sound very different, but they have a yeah, lot of but the there's same. A very different, there's a very similar uh, musical approach. Yeah. You, you know, in, in jazz, in, I went to study jazz piano here at UT and, and they, and you know, a lot of your programs nationwide use the term a vehicle or in the jazz world, you refer to a song as a vehicle, like right. a way to take a ride, a yeah. way to get around. Mm-hmm. And bluegrass songs are the same way. Yeah, yeah, there's the chord progression and there's the rhythm, but but everybody it's a takes their breaks, to improvise and, and yeah. take a break and yeah. kind of express yourself. So there's something very kindred about the approach and kind of the musical satisfaction that players get out of playing the two. So yeah. it's no accident that I, I was, I, I went so I did I went from bluegrass. To jazz, yeah, which is kind of different, right? It is. It was yeah. such, and the term "rude awakening" was used in my direction. So, basically, what happened? My high school years, like I mentioned, there was the classical education part of it, but my social life—the weekends, the evenings, the traveling—was all bluegrass festivals, fiddle contests, playing with my brother Billy. So yeah. Billy, he's a fiddle played player. Fiddle, yeah, just kind of a, a, was a prodigy, really, just. Really excelled at that, still does. His, his whole life has been dedicated to that. So there was a lot of doors opened musically because of him, which we can go talk about. There's yeah. some great stories with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but hold on, coffee break. Yeah, do it. Out of my Republic Brewing Company mug. What? Who's that? This is a small brewery in Republic, Washington, which is uh, kind of like North East Washington State, kind of yeah. like Spokane, Canada okay. area. Gotcha. And we play there. Pretty much every summer. Yeah. And um, it's one of my very favorite spots. You can walk from one end of the town to the next in about five minutes. Yeah. And there's a big brewery in it. I wouldn't say big brewery. It's uh, They make the, some pretty sweet the, mugs. The though. type of brewery where you, you have a mug, this is the mug, yeah. and they put your name on it. And when you show up, you just take your mug off. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's cheersy. Yeah, right. It's it like the neighborhood. Very, very normish. Yeah. So uh, with the, with, with how'd you get from Vanderbilt to UT and what'd you study at Vanderbilt again? You may have said it, but uh, did uh, you study private 
classical, yeah. piano, and theory. Yeah. Yeah. So basically two classes. Oh yeah. So UT. Yeah. How in the world did I get there? Yeah. I um I was really completely in love with bluegrass and country music at the yeah. time. And I was playing five nights a week at our planned hotel in a country trio. I I played piano wow. and I had the the keyboard split, so I played the bass lines in the left hand, and it was like a married couple were the country singers. Yeah. And I always laugh. I'm like, I should have never left that job. I was making more money when I was 18 years old and had, you know, this kind of like. So is it like a residency or? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it was in the picking part, like a, a saloon yeah. in the Arpland Hotel at the time. That's excellent. And every night after work, I would uh, drive. I, I would drive my dad's uh, 78 Scout International 2. Oh, yeah. Downtown to Robert's Western World. Um, on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And back in those days, there was really, it was depressed down there. There was really nothing open. Right. So a couple things. Most most places were boarded up and shut down. But I would go to Robert's, pull the scout right up at the front door, walk right in. I'm 18. Nobody, nobody's checking. Right. And um, BR549 was the house band. This, you know, um, yeah, the great rockabilly band. And I would go in there and just study. I wasn't there to drink or really party. Or right. I was just geeking out on the music. Yeah. And um, t- took that in nightly. And um, it's it's great. I mean, you know, your family heritage, music was in your blood. And then you moved to Music City, USA when, yeah. you're, when you're 12 years old. It just kind of, yeah. it seemed, seemed like it kind of lined up, it you know? Absolutely. And did. then you got to get your, you know, you got to go to a great university there, but then you also got to, you know, do some extracurricular study uh, it, out on the town. Yeah, nightly. it, was, it, it was thorough. It it seems very. All levels. I don't know. It seems very well rounded, and and like it just kind of things snapped into place kinda for you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know just things that are meant to be are not always comfortable. I sure. mean, in fact, so they're usually not mm-hmm. on the front end. You know, because we all get in our um, comfort zones. I don't want change. I don't want change. I don't want change. And I um I've noticed like whenever I'm left kind of left to my own druthers, like I will stay in one spot and yeah. do the comfy thing and be like committed and a lot of people are that way. Yeah, and that those are good qualities, but yeah. I but I also look back and um all those those times where there was drastic change or things that I felt like were out of my control is when there was growth and learning. Yeah. And so now, at this point in my life I recognize it. When I see some when I see change coming there's a little part of me that gets excited and is like, okay, yeah. here's the opportunity. Don't yeah. miss it. You're like, something yeah. good can happen. Somebody one time who I really looked up to a lot said, name one change in, in your life that you've made that you're not happy that you made. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I, yeah. I can do that. Brutal, think, yeah, brutal honesty. I think I'm pretty happy about all of them. Yeah. So, yeah. So how'd you so, get to Knoxville? So um, in the, within the bluegrass country world with musicians that I admired, there was a re- – kind of this repeated suggestion. And it was always like, if you want to become a better player, go study jazz, mm-hmm. go to school, go to college, study jazz. Mm-hmm. And I, I, what I wanted to do at the time was be a studio piano player in Nashville. And I'm like, I want to be the best piano player in Nashville. Yeah. How do I do this? Oh, go to school. And so my first plan was to go to Loyola in New Orleans. And I went mm, to a yeah. jazz camp down there one summer and um, had a pretty positive experience, especially getting snuck out of the dorms at night and going down to Bourbon, Bourbon Street, Street yeah. you know, which was equal parts exciting and terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. And I sometimes. was sometimes the I wrong was, time. Of I night. was maybe eighteen, 
<laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's good I didn't do that. But what happened was I got I got homesick and I was like, there's no country music here. And I again, I was so into country music and bluegrass that I just felt like I need to go back to Tennessee. Yeah. At the same time, I I felt that need to kind of like find my own path and mm-hmm. get out of the nest. Yeah. And I did not want to stay in Nashville or Franklin because it was time for me to get away from my family for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and just straight talk. Straight up. That's the simplest way I can put that. I have a, a wonderful family. We love each other. But yeah. it was definitely just like time to get out of here. Yeah. And Knoxville's far enough, but close enough. It was perfect. Yeah. And we, my family's always been connected to East Tennessee and Knoxville. And even when we didn't live here when we were younger, this we would vacation here. And I, oh, cool. you know, kind of familiar with the culture. And so I was, in my mind, I was like, ooh, East Tennessee, gnarly, like bluegrass, moonshine. I'm going to get like a gnarly truck. This is like, <laughs> I was excited about it. And it kind of all came to fruition. Yeah. It really did. Um but I had to audition at uh, UT here, yeah. the jazz program. Jerry Coker, you know, the, the head of the department or the program there. And I auditioned with him. And I don't know what I played. It wasn't jazz because I don't know how to play jazz. <laughs> and he kind of looks at me and he's shaking his head. And he's like, he looked at me, he's like, you're in for a rude awakening. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I... First of all, I think I got into the program because there were so few piano players that auditioned that year that they had to take me. Thank God. Well, if you wouldn't have already known jazz, you wouldn't have been trying to go This there. is my point. I was like, guys, I'm here to learn jazz because I don't know how to play yeah. at all. Yeah. Like, if I did, there'd be no point in me being here. And if take someone like my brother, Billy, who learned to play, you know, jazz at a really high level before he even went to college he got a full ride to university of miami when he was 16 like oh wow that's so a whole other story right. yeah and it's like but he didn't stay he stayed a semester which is a whole nother story yeah. but he already knew how to play like really great players don't have oh man i'm gonna get some i better stop talking right now why i, I was about to say like really great players don't necessarily have to go to school to learn yeah. they don't yeah but I needed to, and I, I'm certainly glad that I got that opportunity. But after the semester studying there, Jerry came up to me, Mr. Coker, and he's like, "He's like, I apologize, I had you wrong. You've done a great job here, and you know, really glad to have you." Sort of thing. Excellent. And um, so you must have grown a lot. Yeah, and I, I was lucky to have um, some great professors there. Um, in particular, Donald Brown. You know, I studied with him for four years, and. It's a really great uh, mentor and teacher, and I, you know, I brag on him every day because he's one of those teachers that I can teach myself today because of what he taught me twenty some years gotcha. ago. He, it's the concept. Yeah. He's teaching you how to be an artist, how to like develop a palette, understand the palette, yeah. and how to. And there's no end to that learning, you know. So I, that's the way I try to teach. I try to give students. Um, information that they can run with and they can develop and and grow with yeah do you hear cash is he here maybe i hear a voice out there let's see if you want to check on yeah you're welcome to bring him in here he's a he's way more entertaining than i am yeah he's out there on his phone (laughs) you tell him if we gotta yeah yeah we'll get him on here oh lord say never never follow uh Hey, Animals or kids? I'll pull up a chair for him. 
Oh man, he's about to lay it down. Yeah, he's made for this stuff. Is he? Let's see if we can get... What's up, man? Hey. How's it going? Hey, you want to be on your first podcast? Yeah. Uh, where you been? You been hanging out with Magnum PI? Uh, maybe. I mean, <laughs> my, my getup actually. Me and McGuire had matching shirts. We have two sets of matching shirts now. I've been wearing. Where do you get one of those? Uh, the Amazon Drop Store. Got them for five dollars a piece. Wow. What's what the What's the Amazon Drop Store? Bunch of stuff nobody wants. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Why would they not want that shirt? I don't know. That looks great. I got these glasses there too. I mean, look at these. Yeah. <laughs> oh, You're set for God. summer, man. Yeah. Yeah, summer and driving, mm-hmm. you know, got it all figured out. If you got pulled over and a cop saw you wearing this, what would you take go it through off. their mind? No, you take it off. You got it. It's all got to come off. Different music, different everything. <laughs> <laughs> a full on just wardrobe change. Yes. You uh, immediately. You got to change your radio too. <laughs> yeah. I'm listening to NPR over here. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's great. I have a seat if you want. We're just chatting. Yeah. This is yeah. fun. Yeah, you'll be able to hear us just fine here. Yeah. If you want to talk, just speak up. How's that, it going, Cash? Pretty maybe good. Maybe turn off that do do oh, a yeah. do not disturb. No, um, I finally realized that the reason you were calling me during shows and live broadcasts is that you're on my emergency contact move it. It's... list. But I think we I may have paused that. It, yeah. My uh we were in Colorado. Remember that festival we were oh, at? Man. Oh man. <laughs> What festival? This is a festival near um, Colorado Springs. It's kind of a, I can't remember, Meadowgrass, I think it was called. Okay. Sort of a acoustic roots rock festival, you know, family friendly camping out in the mountains there. Yeah. So Cash goes. Yeah. How old were you? There. Pretty young. 10? Yeah. 10, 11, maybe. Yeah. 10. And uh, of did course. Did you call me or did I call you? I, I don't generally call people I'm putting on a show. So I think <laughs> you called me. <laughs> And uh, it's our – Cash has made a buddy, and they're running around out there. And it's a little, you know, a little scary. It's like, you know, don't get lost. Don't get eaten by yeah, a bear. You're a music don't festival. fall in a some hole. Yeah. And um, it's the last time I made the mistake of leaving my phone on, on my amp where I could see it. Uh. And third song in, Cash calls me. And of course you're just And like, I'm like yeah and I'm like what oh. could it, I'm like oh no yeah this is bad this yeah. is really bad because like we're headlining the festival right now certainly he knows we're on stage cuz you can hear it everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> it's just him and I here like he knows I'm on stage playing a show so it's got to be bad right right so I'm trying to stay focused and you yeah know, but that was hard trying to keep everybody's attention and not be distracted finally after about 5 songs I'm like sorry folks like I just Forgive me here. I got a call from my son, and I don't know where he's at. And of course, he's nowhere to be found till about like the second song to the end. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure you hadn't you, you weren't and worried. I still, why to did death. you call me? I don't. I don't oh, you know what? I know what it was. He told me he's like he was like I was returning your call. Oh no, yeah, you had called me, and then I did, I saw that you he's called like, me. So yeah, I, I maybe I had called you like a day before. Who knows? <laughs> So just turn off the phones. That's all, all, all I can say. For focus's sake, right? Yeah. I mean. Cash, do you play music too? Uh, Yeah, a little bit. Yeah? Yeah. What do you play? Right here. Um, I guess a little bit of piano, trumpet, kind of just whatever's laying around the house. He can sing. He can put he? on a, a, a virtual show for me the other day. And really? I was, I was like, what? I was like, where did you learn 
to do that. Was it like you with your dad? Did you push him to, to pick up the piano no, a little I think bit? I, I tricked him. You did? Yeah. It's like, him. you don't want to come whitewash this fence. You yeah. know, the, the, oh, right. the whole uh, Tom Sawyer thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't want to play this piano. Don't, don't, even, don't even play that. Is that how that worked out? <laughs> it's pretty effective. Reverse <laughs> psychology. It? Yeah, it works. When did you start playing music? Um, not until pretty recently, actually. I've just always been into different things. So yeah. it's been, what is past five years maybe? Yeah. I mean, he's grown up with it. Yeah. And he's, you know, I'll, I'll be like, Cash, you want to, um, you think you'll be a musician? He's like, no, nah, I want to make money. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, sick burn. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> good. I, somebody did something right. I don't know if I can take credit for that, but good decision. Yeah, so both both parents kind of uh, musicians, so it's in your blood too, like it is your dad's for sure. It so, is. Yeah. I feel like he's got, you know, if I think about all the music lessons I've had and where I've gotten with it versus all the music lessons he has not had and what he can do musically, it's... It's it's high high uh, high return something. on, your, on yeah. the investment there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what else? So you're, are you in high school? Yeah. So, well... You you were I guess until the, till the uh, they canceled the last couple well, months. Actually, of school. I take online school, so it's kind of been a. Oh, it didn't good. really change much for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah he so, was kind of. He's like, man, I can't. I can't even this get. Is out, like, this is like I can't even get out of school. This, this sucks. is a world pandemic, and I still can't get out of school. It's not possible. <laughs> Just your luck, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, didn't didn't skip a, a beat for you. So, how do you like socialize and all that? Where do you? How do you find? How <laughs> yeah. do you? How do you how find do friends? How do you socialize? Tell me about this. Um, <laughs> Tell me all the details. Well, I. I mean, I don't see how you don't socialize. I mean, you just like. Well, but I mean, when I was in school, you're passing people in the hall every day and, you know, you're oh, seeing man. everybody. You just get calls from people. They're Snapchatting, like, hey, Instagramming. They yeah. got their group texts. Well, how do you meet people, though? Oh, I went to school. I just, okay. this is a new thing, me getting homeschooled just this past, like, year and a half. Two oh, years. gotcha. So you've got so a bunch I've, of buddies already. Like, yeah. And, and you guys, you know, you've already got the phones all figured out by the time you're eight. So mm-hmm. like you're already hanging I mean, out. Like there's no reason to go to school for social reasons. I mean, it's just yeah, like, not anymore. That's, yeah, exactly. I have a buddy of mine uh, who, who said, you know, it's like, son, it's a beautiful day. Get outside and hang out with your friends. And his son's sitting there on the phone. I you know, am hanging out with them. I am hanging yeah. out with my friends. It's like just a different, or like different the deal. gamers. They're hanging out with their friends playing video games. Exactly, that's their network. Yeah, I don't hate that. I mean, it's just new. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not how we did it growing up. I mean, up, they but... are going to morph into aliens. Uh, but I don't. I'd rather hang out in person. Honestly, I don't really like yeah. the whole online. Well, now you got a car, man. You driving. Yeah. You're gonna. You're gonna get to hang out. I mean, with... think about how um, rare, valuable human act, human interaction is going to be. Come, I mean, it's always yeah. perhaps the most important thing, but more than ever. Now you're like, well, I can't even hug anybody. It's I like know. I see my mom and I, f- I forgot the other day and I gave her a hug and she was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. She doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a weird thing. I wonder like what kind of social impact long term it's going to that this is going to have on us because I'm a hugger, too. I hug everybody. High five. Any to any chance I get to, you know. Put my hand on somebody, let them know I love them. I'm going to do it, you know? Yeah. It's Speaking sweet. of touching, <laughs> they canceled wrestling practice. I don't know why. I'm like, we've been wrestling, it's all been all normal, and then they, they canceled oh, contact they, they found out you were. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. And, yeah, I wonder what kind of lasting kind of stuff it's going to have. And then, too, like, 
with what you do for a living, mm-hmm. I mean, you need to play gigs to make money. Yeah. Like what, when's that going to come I've back? I've given obviously a lot of thought to this and ask questions to especially anybody that's in the industry. I, I talked to a friend yesterday who's, uh, you know, sells tickets for Broadway shows. Like, when is that going to come back? Trying to get a feel for like, when can we play in a theater again? Because mm-hmm. like, for example, we have a Black Lily show. The Farewell Show has been on the books for how long? And we've postponed it. You know, at this point, it's November 14th at the um, Bijou Theater. Yeah. Are people going to be willing to sit side by side? Right. Seven, 800 people. Is it going to be legal? And I know legal isn't the right term. But right. It's going to be like acceptable. Or, I don't know. Which is more which is more important, whether it's, yeah. you know, s- socially acceptable. I think it's going to be slow to re- recover from, uh, from a lot of these yeah. things that came on so quick. Like, okay, six feet away. Like that's going to take a long time for that to wear off, you know? So for me, where I'm at musically professionally now is really simple. Um, The, you know, outdoor private yard concerts, 10 people or less. Now, you know, the numbers are up and nobody wants, most people don't want 50 people in their yard, you know, but um, there's a way for this to really work for me. And it already is good. Um, You know, I don't have to necessarily travel across the country yeah, and the expenses are down. The quality of the of the connection and the the performance is up. Mm-hmm. So there's like, I guess, for lack of a better term, like the house concert thing is really yeah. kind of the phase one of music right now. Yeah. Well, Eric Baker, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, he, you know, I think he was kind of an early adopter of that mm-hmm. of that kind of deal. Yeah, that's the opportunity. And in addition to uh, live streams, which yeah. have been really effective. And and you bolstering your online presence and sure. that co- kind of cohesion, and then and also teaching. So yeah, I'm busy. Good. So you you want to you want to get back to the trajectory? See if we sure. can fin- finish out your story. Yep. Yeah, because we're about to get to the part where cash comes in, right? Oh gosh. <laughs> well, you all so, that drama. So There's you no said drama. you got married when you were 21. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that right out of school or still in school? Still in school. Okay. Yeah, I remember speaking about my professors. I remember like Mark Bowling. I was like, go to class when I was like, hey, man, I'm getting married. He was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I was like, yeah, man, I'm getting married. <laughs> I don't know. Seemed like the right thing to do. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It's definitely. Um, um, Robin and I lived right down here on Appleby. Yeah. And, um, you know, right away we're playing music. We had a band called the String Beans. Oh, with, I didn't um, know that. With a, a group of guys that were Jay Clark, yeah, and Robin were the lead singers. Okay, um, there was a guy named Clint Cagle and um, Joel. Oh God, Joel, don't, don't get mad at me for forgetting your last name for just a second here. Yeah, they were right. all, you know, UT wildlife, like yeah, hort- I don't know, horticulture bird watchers. <laughs> Bear chasers. Yeah. That's a good place to yeah, live uh, to do it over there you know, off Woodson. Yeah. And, um, you know, we spent, yeah, bluegrass, just, you know, bluegrass and barbecue. and. So did you did you and Robin meet in at UT yeah, in the music program? Did. Not. She was in the art program. Okay. She was illustration design. Cool. And we met that way, actually back here at Log Haven. Okay. At a, at a bluegrass jam, which is up here on the bluff. So it was a passion for her. She liked to sit around and sing and yeah, and we play met. Guitar. It's so funny. Like I met her and um, we were both singing, and she had that like you know like her eyes closed. And when her mouth opens and she smiles, her eyes close. They don't like work. To, they yeah, work against each yeah. other a little bit. And I was like, oh my god, this girl's way too nice for me. This would never work. <laughs> oh come on. 
And but you guys started a band right then, the String Beans? Pretty quick after yeah. that. Yeah, I got an invite basically. Like, hey, you know, uh, and I, I was playing banjo at the time. That's what I was doing with my, my free time. I yeah. wanted to play banjo. And I thought back to the, I want to be the world's greatest banjo player. And they're like, sorry, we already got a banjo, but we need a mandolin player. So I ran to the store and bought the first mandolin I could get. Yeah. And uh, You didn't know how to play that yet? Not real. No. Yeah. No. Uh, my brother Cyprian had played mandolin. Gotcha. He had a nice one that I ended up buying from him, which kind of got me in that band. And then everybody graduated. And when every, um, that band came to an end, and then Robin and I decided we wanted to keep playing. Yeah. And that's when we named it the CC string band yeah and it became a trio mm-hmm. and then with your brother at this time uh at that point it was just Robin myself and a uh, bass player okay um we started playing with a guy named Taylor Coker who okay. we played with for a decade gotcha and um yeah oh my god that was a long time ago all that <laughs> and then pretty quick after that we're like she's the lead so it became Robinella in the CC string band yeah. and that was just the beginning of a Wild ride. A wild decade ride. I remember seeing you guys a lot. Where you know, at? Uh, Barley's, Bonnaroo. Um, I don't know. Did you guys play Rhythm and Blooms towards the end there? Yeah. yeah. We did a, that was a reunion show, I think. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, how many times did you guys play Bonnaroo? Um, with Robin twice. Twice? I believe, yeah. I was at both of those. We I, The first time, and it was my first time at Bonnaroo, it was one of those muddy weekends, and we played before Nickel Creek and Robert Randolph. That's excellent. And that was really- That would have been 05, probably? Maybe 05. Yeah. Three, four, five, somewhere in there. Yeah. And that was really enlightening to me. I, ha- I didn't grow up going to big concerts or rock concerts really? or festivals. And, you know, getting to stand. I remember standing right- behind Robert Randolph, watching him like wave his hands and seeing, you know, like thousands of people all kind of in sync. Yeah. I was like, aha. Yeah. You know, was that a big moment for the, for, for your, uh, for Robin Ellen, the CC string band? Yeah, certainly. Um, it's funny that we were so young. I I don't think we realized how big any of those moments were. We didn't really, we were just so about the music, trying to be, trying to make a living and trying to, uh, make the best music we could. It was a pretty nerdy approach. Yeah. And a lot of the opportunity that was thrown our way, I don't think we fully appreciated. We did. Till it was gone. Yeah. And we talk about it today. Yeah. We're like, oh my gosh, we just yeah. thought that would always be there. So when did Billy come on board? Billy played with us all along. Okay. Because he was- Your brother, Billy. Yeah. Yeah. And even though he was younger, he was um, homeschooled at the time. Okay. And he would- Because he was a prodigy. Travel. Yeah. You, you know- <laughs> He would travel over and play Barley's. He was on our records. He would tour with us. Gotcha. And, um, so he was like 16? 15, I remember fi- some 15. Really? Yeah, 15. Yeah. That's amazing. And he was in a touring band. Yeah, he'd already been in, with played with everybody really? by that point. Yeah. And so uh, I was reading on I, – I looked, I looked him up because uh, I knew you were coming over. I wanted to learn a little bit about him too. Um, but it's – Something uh, that I was reading about, did you guys play on Conan O'Brien? We did. We were on two. So that was the year that the uh, Columbia record came out. So we signed with Columbia. I don't know if that happened. I think the record came out in 2003. Maybe we signed with them in 2002. Yeah. What was the name of the record? It was self-titled. Okay. Which is silly, too, because really that was a, we couldn't agree with the label on a title. And everyone just threw their hands up and like, self-titled, put it out. Yeah. Compromise compromises yeah not always the best thing not always um 
But what had happened was Robin and I had really, we'd been gigging around town, you know, Barley's and Union Jacks. And we were playing some nights, five ti- five nights a week yeah. and private shows. And we just were getting a little burned out, a little stale. Yeah. And we were living out here in South, I say South Knox, really Blunt County, Rockford. Yeah. And um, we agreed, like, let's take a break. Let's stop. Shut it down for like, a little let's bit. Let's stop for a minimum of three months. And if we want to come back, we'll come back to it. Okay. And we took the break and it was fine. Um, probably needed it. Let things settle. And there was really no plans to come back. We weren't doing anything proactively to come back. And I got a phone call from Benny Smith. Um, I'm trying to think who he was working with at the time. Certainly, you know, UTK, UTK. these days. But... He's like, hey, what are y'all doing this week? He's like, do you want to open up for uh, Nickel Creek at the Tennessee Theater? Oh. He's like, and possibly Earl Scruggs at the Tennessee Theater oh, wow. this week. And I was like, hey, Robin. And we just like, yeah. Was the three months over yet? Or Not quite. Not quite? Not you quite. Dressed back into we, it pretty quick? <laughs> so we show up and um, we have two really great show, you know, turnouts there and yeah, performances sure. well received that's back when you used to sell a lot of cds and yeah. make money stand there in the pretty lobby exciting. at the bijou yeah pretty exciting there was something co- coinciding that had happened and the, our very last show at barley's that year maybe it was around new year's or something months back a guy named andrew hyra came through and it happens every show. Everyone, someone comes up and is like, "Hey, I can help you," or do you need? You yeah. know, you're always like, and you're like, you're starving and you're 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 drowning. And you're like, please help me. Yeah. You know, you, you say that yeah. your whole life. Yeah. And then um, you just never know. Anyways, this guy Andrew, who was part of a, a tr- duo called Billy Pilgrim, which was on Atlantic Records, which we didn't understand at the time, was the real deal. Mm-hmm. And he contacted his friend, who was an A and R at Atlantic or had been. And put us, got in contact with us. And wow. we're, you know, we're kids and these are like strangers calling us and kind of promising the moon. And you're just, usually it's just a bunch of hot air. Yeah. A little skeptical. But I would get a call for, it's uh, the, the A&R lady at Atlantic, her name is Jennifer Stark. And she calls us that same week. She's like, Hey, I'm coming through town. I'd love to meet you and see you. And we're like, well, cool. We're playing the Tennessee theater this week. So she shows up and sees us play, you know sold out shows at the Tennessee theater, two of them. Were you headlining? We were opening. You were opening for, for Nickel, Nickel Creek, Creek and Earl Scruggs. And Earl Scruggs and, the but she sees us sell like, you know, 150 CDs yeah. as the opening band. Yeah. She's like, these people are and gaining a following. She's like, whoa. Yeah. So she contacts, I think it's Mitchell Cohen. I think he was the A&R at Columbia Records. Okay. They love the music because we'd already made two independent records at that point. And they, they bring like the VP of Columbia and bring their executives to Barley's to see us. <laughs> and so we, we like, we tell all our friends like show, show up, up, be loud, be, show up, be loud. <laughs> and it's packed. You can't get in there. You know, they're, yeah. they're all at the front table and we have the band, we have the lineup, the band smoking. And, um, they, you know, this was the crash course in the music industry yeah. for us, but, you know, the word that was used to us via, I don't know if it was our manager, you know, and right away lawyers are involved. And yeah. It was like, Sony was like, told the, the lawyer, don't hurt us, which basically is like, we'll give these guys anything they want to sign. Yeah. But just 
take it easy on us. Yeah. And we got a big record deal. Good. Out of it. And, um, what was that? What was that like? I mean, you made it right at that yeah. point. That's got to feel like you yeah, arrived. It does. It feels like you're making it. It feels like you're rolling in it. And you also, you know, the dangerous part is you're thinking I've made it and it's always going to be like this. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like playing Bonnaroo to, you know, 30,000 people yeah, and thinking that it's, it's always going to be like that. Right? It's not segue real quick. Uh, the bean pot in, uh, what's, uh, Mont, you know, the, the plateau there. Going Mont Eagle. Mont Eagle, right? Yeah. Kind of a, there is a Leuven Brothers Museum in that really restaurant, and I, I get sucked into it. And there's a video of Charlie Leuven, uh that plays on a loop. And there's the interviewers talking like, "What advice would you give younger musicians or people who want to get into them?" And he's like, he starts talking about feast and famine mm-hmm. and being having, you know, can you be, can you roll with the ups and downs? And I remember thinking like. That guy's not joking. Yeah. If if he's saying that, this yeah. is for real. Right. And you kind of have to make up your mind now, like, are you going to roll with the real ups and the real downs? Right. And, yeah, I think um, I've been aware of that. And um, Yeah, you were self-aware when it, ha- when it happened, yeah. right? I mean, so at the same time, even then it was like, come on, guys, like, embrace this. Like, if they're going to give us tour support, do it. Do it. If they're going to put you in a nice hotel, do it. Mm-hmm. Rob was like, "Well, we can't do that." I was like, "Listen, this, this is all that's coming. Yeah, like when this when they're done with us, it's it's over. Yeah. Go to the nice hotel right yeah. now. This is going to be your experience. These are the things you're going to look back on, and is your going to be your memories." Yeah. Well, so how did that how did that kind of manifest itself? The a record deal. What does that look like? Huge tours. Were you headlining? Oh, no. Or? Here's the disaster. Here's the here's the the first disaster that happened. So it should be a huge tour, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, once you sign a deal, then the industry goes to work and all the pieces like the lawyers and the booking agents and the publicists and the radio promoters and everybody kind of like gets involved mm-hmm. because just the industry is bigger than the artist, right? You know, the artist is interchangeable. <laughs> the industry is there. And so, yeah, when you make a record, you're supposed to go on a big tour. Right. Um, we did do a 40 day tour with Casey Chambers. Um, Australian artist, and that was our big first national. We got a Silver Eagle and put it in the barn for two weeks and renovated it. And the first time I drove it was literally out of the barn. What's a Silver Eagle? Is that an RV? It's a tour bus, like a tour bus, tour like bus. a Class A tour yeah. bus. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Still got it? No, it. We after we. <laughs> yeah, Cash. Cash, Cash this is where Cash just while? starts shaking his head. He's like, oh. That thing, all the sad. He's stories. probably changed the tire on it. <laughs> it's <or something. laughs> it sat out in the yard and rusted, and oh, we yeah. sold it. Hey, yeah. but we did get the Land Cruiser for it, which he's. So come on, you got a Land Cruiser? Right, yeah, all Land right. Cruiser's pretty cool, but a yeah. bus, bus kind of cooler. <laughs> it was it was an eighty two. Um, it was an automatic Detroit diesel, and uh, we had oak bunk beds and like it was red, you know, red pleather and the whole band was staying in it. Or? Yeah. I it, bet that was fun. It was really rigged up. I, I yeah. mean, I could we could do a whole podcast just on that tour and the stories of that bus. Oh, I bet. Well, I bet that's, I mean, just married, just a big, you know, just gotten a big record deal. And now you and your you and your spouse are, are living together oh, yeah. with, and, with a couple other dudes. The grandparents went out on the, so. <laughs> <laughs> the grandparents oh, went yeah, out. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. So the first show was in Seattle. 
That's uh, as about as far away as you can yeah, get. Yeah, and I'd never even really been out west before. Yeah. Um, so, it was, and Robin's mom was like, well, I've never been there. I want to go. So, we arranged basically for everybody to ride with us out there. Her mom went and um, her dad was the only other person that could get his CDL. Robin tried to get it and couldn't pass the test. So, it was like I was I had a license yeah. and he did. Yeah. CDLs are hard to get. And um we put a generator in it. It was totally rigged up. We probably almost killed ourselves, you know, from carbon monoxide poisoning how many times. Luckily, Robin's mom is really paranoid about that stuff. That stuff. Yeah. Like, and she was right. Yeah. You know, it, it, was, it was definitely leaking was in the cabin. Real, it was really bad. Put an alarm in there and it was always um, going up. It was great. It was such an adventure. And that was, a, is that where 40 Days, 40 Nights came from? Now, 40 Days, that's the first Black Lilies tour, which okay, is a gotcha. whole nother lifetime okay. and a whole When you nother, said 40 Days, like I was like, okay, there's, there's a pat- the Bible. There's, there's, <laughs> there's, there is a pattern. And there's something about these national tours that yeah. take, it takes about 40 days to do a true national tour. Yeah. So, so uh, w- when did that wind down? When did uh, Robin Ellen's CC string band stuff kind of wind down? Was cash around yet when that, when that mm-hmm. happened? Yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Robin and I went through the phases of the, the Columbia record deal. We were that record, Robin Ellen, the CC string band. We were working on a second record. Gotcha. When Sony um, merged with BMI, kind of gave us the opportunity to walk and we, we took it. We were ready. That was cash actually was about that was about the time he was born and gotcha. we decided it was better to be home better to do things on our own independently and we'd already had the benefit of all that publicity right so we kind of like just kind of brought things in yeah. and i spent a few pretty good years doing that on our own but you know i think also the um you know it takes its toll i bet man working with your spouse uh, it's got day to. in and day imagine. out and her and i can laugh about it like we spent more time with each other in a few years than a lot of married couples would spend with each other in a lifetime yeah absolutely just there was no yeah work play everything is with yeah, your spouse everything and if yeah. it becomes too much work then you're neglecting yeah it's a lot to yeah. manage i'm sure mm-hmm. but when it's all tied together like that yeah. and and so the 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 string band you, you guys decided to go your separate ways at some point, and mm-hmm. then it's is is that a moment where you're like solo career? No, not initially. No, no for me it was just like um, you know, what, what, driving truck. Yeah, driving. I worked for a cast stone in Maryville delivering um, stone. That's for, awesome for construction. We well, had projects. your CDL already. I did. That's yeah. what I, I was like. I got my CDL. Like Four year old like, me thought it was like the coolest thing ever. I was like, you know. My dad drives trucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'd go pick him up and he could jump in the truck and, you know, like dump trucks and flatbeds. Yeah. And and you're a young dad. You got to do what it takes to, mm-hmm. to make it happen. Yeah. It was a challenging time for me. It was important to, you know, with the marriage ending, it was important for me to still stay at home, be around. Yeah. Like I'm not splitting out. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, just kind of figure out what I'm going to do. You know, if you think about, you know, I went straight from like old son family to being married another family to like i'm 30 uh what do i believe what do i want i right. mean i haven't even had the opportunity people have been yeah. telling me what to think and do yeah. my whole life yeah and um so the first you know priority is like you know just land on your feet and try to be happy when that can be a challenging time and i i was really convinced that music had ruined my life really yeah i was i thought you know this is all falling apart because of music Really? Which is confusing because it's the thing that I love. Mm-hmm. But what happened, as I was driving and working, um, 
I started listening to WDVX again yeah. and hearing that Roots music yeah. and Doc Watson and Gillian Welch. And I was like, wait a minute. I love this stuff. Like, yeah. It does make me happy. And I got a call from Scott Miller. He called me and yeah. asked me to play a couple of shows at the Bijou Theater. With, as part of his outfit? Just a duo, playing oh, okay. mandolin with him. Oh, good. And, um, you know, I kind of got a taste of that. Yeah. And I was like, all right. Maybe. And I miss Maybe I'm, it didn't ruin my like, life. Yeah. Maybe it can still be a thing. It was just like, you know, it was just baby steps. And yeah. I, I started a jazz trio, and then it became a mandolin trio. And then I was like, nobody's singing. Yeah. And um, that's when I met Leah Gardner again, who was like, we already knew each other, but um, we, I called her. We I got hired for a memorial service uh. and um, called her to sing. Yeah. And I didn't really sing at the time. And I started harmonizing with her. And she's like, you have a good voice. You should sing. And one thing led to another. So, um, you know, within months, I was singing. I was writing. I played, sang for the first time on stage at the Preservation Pub. And then <laughs> by the end of the year, I wrote my first song. Yeah, because in, in all these outfits that have been happening, you, you were the multi-instrumentalist yeah. or mandolin player, right? Yeah. So you you so you hadn't dusted off that voice in no, a long time, and I didn't know it was gonna. I still remember stepping up to that mic, and I hadn't really practiced on a yeah. mic. I was like, I don't know what's gonna happen, and of course, people are looking like, "What's good? Yeah, this is gonna be." They really know bad. too. They're like, "Oh, dude, <laughs> like we're gonna have to tell them this sucks," <laughs> and it probably did suck, but I got hooked right away. Really? Yeah. Had you ever sharpened those chops before your voice, or no. had, had you always been just about playing music? You know what story I'm probably about. No, I wouldn't say, no, I never sharpened. That was, I think, my problem. I wasn't willing to work on it. I had had, when Robin and I played at um, Union Jacks. Love that place. We had a lot of requests for dude songs. Yeah. And she's like, I don't want to do that. So it came up like, hey, maybe I'll sing such and such a song. But I always played mandolin and I didn't sing. So basically, I picked up the guitar for a song. Yeah. I think it was Shady Grove. And I sang it and I played lead guitar and I rocked it and people went nuts. nuts. And I did it a few weeks in a row. People went nuts. Yeah. And um, Rob and I were sitting at home in our trailer at the time. And she's like, I've been meaning to talk to you. You sound really bad. Oh, no. And I was cut. And I let it cut me. And to this day, like, you know, in that moment, I was, you know, I was, I was hurt and I was insecure and I wouldn't stand up for myself. All I needed to do was laugh it off and say, you know what, I'll, um, I'll work on it, get better. And she, cause she did, she's like, you need, you need voice lessons. You need to practice. And I, and I chickened out. I was like, I don't need to practice thinking me. I'll just won't sing. And I didn't sing for years. Because she said that. I'm not, I'm not going to blame it. No, it's because I didn't have the confidence and I let some just something somebody said hurt my bother feelings, you. bother me, instead of taking a deep breath and being like, this is my deal. Did you sound bad? I probably sounded off, but I sounded good enough to make people like stand up on the tables and clap and scream. Do you think do you think it was you taking a little bit of the limelight that okay, uh, kind Taylor, of- I know it's coming we're all getting old enough. I feel like I can tell these stories yeah. now. Um there was a third there was a witness to all this. Yeah. There's the other musician in our band. Okay. We've talked about this and laughed. He's like, because I couldn't see. When you're singing on stage, you can't see what people are, how they're reacting behind you. Yeah. You can't see if they're fuming or if their face is red or yeah. if they're mad. 
So you think jealous. she was a little jealous that, that you were getting it the response? To every, it yeah. could happen to anybody. Yeah. It was her spot. It was yeah. her band. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and we, a, do, and we don't, we don't, we're not, we're not a vocal duo. We've sang before right. since, and it's just not a thing. She's a lead singer yeah. and I'm more of a lead singer. Yeah. You are now. Yeah. Did you ever take voice lessons after that? Uh, way after the fact, a few yeah, years yeah. ago, I took a couple gotcha. and it was really helpful after kind of yeah. figuring some things out. Yeah. Gotcha. So where are we now? We've started the black lilies. You've sang on stage for the first time. Cash is how old? Um, let's see at here. that five, time. Four, four, five, four or five at this point. Yeah. So I, I gotta, I gotta say this too. While, uh, since cash is here, uh, we were talking about him before we, before you and I started and I, and I said, I remember when cash was born, you know, and you and I didn't know each other. I didn't know Robin, but I, but it was just like, the child has been born <laughs> it oh, was God. Like, it's uh, like, and his name's cash. <laughs> and it's like, everybody knew who you were and knew your name and all that. Has that been like, have you noticed that growing up that people already know who you are before you meet them? Yeah. I mean, like, when we, when we, just see like a random person walking down the street that like my dad's talking to her. They're like, Oh, Hey Cruz, how you doing? Like, Oh cash. I've known you your whole life. You yeah. know, like, and I'm like, Hey, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good to see yeah. you, buddy. Cash has always been good sport about it. Yeah. I, I mentioned we, we've, I've talked to him about it before. You know, like ask him, are like, are you comfortable with this? You know? And you know, he's always been good sport about it. He's good social. Yeah. That's good because that good. can, you know, hey, that, I like the spotlight. Right. <laughs> good. Get out of here. <laughs> no. Ain't enough room for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> Only one spotlight in this house. Yeah. No, come I'm on. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Totally kidding. But but is it uh does it still happen even today? That that, um, that people that people Yeah, that, especially in Knoxville. I mean we're we're just like walking around downtown or something like that. Yeah. Well and and I, mean, I don't it, know anyone else named Cash, so they probably just <laughs> hear your name and know who you are. They're always uh now, especially they're surprised. They're like, they're like, wait, you can drive? Like, wait, you're 16? What? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy to me. But like I said, I remember when you were born. It's like I've been a fan of your dad and your dad's band for long enough for you yeah. to be able to drive. It's kind of crazy. It's nuts. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> 16 years. Well, what's what's it like growing up with a couple of uh, parents in the in the in the business I mean, that people know? Is it is it you is can it, speak freely? You're not just you know tell the truth. It's I, it's kind of cool. It's yeah. Like, the the one thing that's always weird is like everybody else's parents they're like really good at some sport or something and their parents like like I do wrestling like yeah. every good wrestler their dad is like always like there's like a D one wrestler in college yeah. or something he like coaches them <laughs> yeah and then like I'm always the guy like no matter like working on cars playing whatever sport like I'm always the guy that's just there like like you know like, my parents are musicians <laughs> yeah <you know. laughs> I don't really know how to do any of this. <laughs> well, have you have you thought about uh, about making a career in music at all, or is it just? Um, I mean, I'm always gonna like play music just because yeah. I like I like playing it. But yeah. As far as a career, I I want to go into the military. I want to fly helicopters. In the oh, that's area. awesome. Well, are are you? Are, is that your like goal for right now? That's so, my goal. That's that's, that's awesome, man. Well, so you were you were uh, fascinated with your dad's big truck when you were a little kid. Uh, so yeah. these big machines are right I mean, up your alley. My first alley. word was truck. I. I, I have a 79 Corvette I've been restoring. I, like, really? Everything I do is cars. Just really? cars and trucks. I, so you're pretty cars. mechanically inclined? Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. When he was little, I got him a um, a model car at an oil company in Maryville, and it was a uh, 
a Dodge Power Wagon, which I'm a big fan of, and it's a, it was a tow truck, and yeah. it was it's like that fancy die cast, fancy yeah. paint job, and I'm like, okay. Gonna, here's my son's first model truck and in my mind like i'm envisioning like one day his rooms you know just like a, a collection and they're all pristine you know you like you look at them you don't touch them and you know i set this thing down and it's like a few minutes it's like the tires are off the wheels are <laughs> off the next day it's in a hundred pieces really? i was fixing it i was improving yeah. it in every way <laughs> I was like, oh, I think I'm going to buy the, the cheaper models from now on. Yeah, he's going to take them apart. Yeah, but what he was, it's that mechanical mind, yeah. you know. Have you introduced know. him to Jack Parker? Oh, yes. we, we know, we, we've known Jack for years. Yeah, have you been out to Jack's they house hit before? It off. Yeah. I of bet course. you guys hit it off great. Yeah. yeah. Jack uh, rebuilt that motorcycle for me. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, we've, been, we've taken some bikes over there. Yeah. 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 Cash rides dirt bikes, so we've yeah. definitely taken a few over there. Yeah. That was the first time I saw a re-threading tool. Like oh yeah, like a, ca- a die and oh yeah. oh, or, or does it thread pipe? No, it was rethreading a, a bolt. Oh, I yeah. stripped out a bolt and I was like, oh, it just I know. Rethreads. I was like, what? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think you can probably build a car from scratch and never leave Jack's property. You know what I yeah. mean? He just get, he can do it all. That's yeah. funny. Um, all right, so we're in the Black Lilies now. How did that whole thing? You said that it's in the in the uh, process of winding down. Mm-hmm. Now, um, yeah, you don't wind down a a business or a band of a decade or more overnight. I have right. found that. I'm sure. Um, you know, when it's done, you're you're kind of emotionally done. You're you you. But you know, we made five records, and there's a lot of people that have been involved, and you have your fans, and um, you know, just this week, I've I've spent a good part of the week going through old posters, and we we ran a sale, and it was really. Um, exciting to see the, the the response yeah you know it's like all right this is there's there's some there's this entity that's bigger than yourself that's there and can stay around and, and I'm, I'm proud of that um you know so even though the, the band is winding down and we have a couple more shows farewell type shows to do you know that music's going to be around yeah and there's a way to, to continue to promote that yeah well it's an excellent band i i'm a big fan of you guys i told you you know last time i was Last time I saw you, how proud I was to be out in, you know, Northern California at a music festival full of hippies, the High Sierra Music oh. Festival in like 2000, I don't know, 15, I think yeah. it was. And how proud I was to see the Black Lilies up there showing these that California boys what was and, up. And the the band was smoking then. Yes, I it was. I think that was with Mike Seal on guitar and Jonathan Keeney on pedal steel. Ooh, getting chills. Uh, that would have been Sam... Quinn, Sam Quinn, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's just coming back to me. I remember we all jumped in a, a river on the way up, and pretty sure there was some nudity involved. <laughs> you can't unsee it. Sam like, was probably there then. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's like, but, oh, okay, well, we're swimming now. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was that was cool, too, is I got to hang out with your band a little bit at, at that festival. And, you know, Keeney and I actually met when he was living in California years before. Mm-hmm. I was living out there, too. And, uh, and then I met Sam. I don't think I met Mr. Seal, but I, uh, I got to hang out with your band a little bit. It felt cool to be like, okay, I'm, you know, thousands of miles from home, yeah. but but this feels right. It's funny. I've still um, – that festival feels very exotic and like a long ways away from here, which it is. Yeah. But there are some – there's some, uh, you know, like nationwide uh, friendships and contacts I still have because of that festival. Really? 
And, uh, you know, those are, those are bigger moments than you realize. Yeah. You know, you think I'm going to go to a festival every week for the rest of my life. Blah, blah. And it's yeah. like, well, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe that's like, that was a really important moment. Was know? that part of a tour? Or Definitely. Or was that just kind of a one-off? Definitely. I think that year we also did Del Fest. And Del Fest yeah. and the High Sierra were connected by the same promoter. Oh, gotcha. And that, we were definitely touring a lot then. If we're in California, we're probably doing a month-long tour. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. What, so I remember seeing some kind of post on Facebook from the band around this point. Did a trailer get stolen full of equipment? Yeah. I'm forgetting the years now. I feel like that's been... Maybe around around four years ago now. So you're in the middle of a tour, and it, it was in like Texas. That right? was in Houston. Luckily, it was really very little luck involved. But fortunately for the tour, um, the theft happened after the very last show. No way. The night after the last show on the tour, we were getting right. We were going. We were in Houston. We'd played Conroe, Dosi Do on a Sunday night, and we were literally going to drive home Monday morning. Mike Seal was going to fly out of the airport, so we kind of veered and found a hotel that was close to this airport, I think. Mm -hmm. Is it Hobby Airport, I think they call it, maybe? And um seemed like we were in a decent place. Turns out we weren't, and uh woke up six hours later and everything was gone. The tra They disconnected the trailer Tra from the no, van? No, they, they got the van, trailer, gear, um, just like a worst-case situation and it was, it was on, it's on it's on it's on camera it you can see it yeah really? it was two it minutes was flat impressive. i mean it was like you've seen the video catch? yeah yeah it was a it, it became a it trended on facebook it was a news story so the houston um you know affiliates got wind of it mm -hmm. and they were having like a whole rash of thefts you know trailer yeah. band and uh you know there was support and interest and i thought well what do we do? Do we just go home? Or I was like, guys, maybe if we do these interviews, we'll get our stuff back. Yeah. You know, did, did any of it ever come back gradually over time? Some of it really? did. And so fact, they found it. They, so yeah, the people. I wish I had. So there was, there was over a hundred arrests made in a organized crime ring that was targeting mm -hmm. trailers. So it's our, not our gear didn't come back from that gotcha. arrest, but I think our story was part of that yeah. effort. So it's not hard to tell a band's rig when you see it. You yeah, know what I mean? A easy. van with a trailer, you know. It, and, and you know that there's before with the with the trailer is just like come and get it. Exactly. I mean, and and everybody knows there's tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment yeah, it's in pawnable there. Yeah, or whatever. And it's yeah, it's easy, it's easy to fence, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a huge bummer. But I'm glad that some of it came back. My but guitar came. My, my my most important guitar came back Good. to me back in November. Of, so of last year? Yeah. Dude. So there's actually, in the summer issue of No Depression, there's a whole article that's been written about a few different acts that have been, um, had their gear stolen. And, and my guitar story is part of this because of the return of it. And I got a call. It was right around beginning of November last year. We were playing in Roanoke, actually uh, Rocky Mount, Virginia at the Harvester. And I'd done it in studio in Roanoke. And I get um, a Facebook message from someone I don't recognize. And first I thought maybe it was like a, um, a scam or something. But this guy says, hi, my name is Robert Gonzalez. I live in Houston. Um, please give me a call. Here's my number. And I checked out his page. It looked legit. And there was a little in the back of my mind. I was like, I wonder if it could be related. Mm -hmm. And it was, he called me up. He's like, I was at a car wash. I was approached by someone in a car. They were selling a bunch of tools and this guitar. He's like, I bought it for my dad. He's in a Christian band. 
And then I got home and I looked in it and there's, he said, there's a card and what it was, was a lanyard, mm-hmm. uh, Black Lily's All Access. He's like, I looked up your story and he's like, I want, I want you to have your guitar back. And he gave it back to you? Yeah. It's a 52 Dude. Gibson J, J, J45. That's <sighs> the most, you know, important guitar to me. And um, my, uh, I have family in Houston. My uncle went and met him like the next day and then. My uncle, I had called my uncle that day unrelated. And this is an uncle I talked to like a couple times a year, if that. I had called him to see what he was doing for Thanksgiving. He's like, we're going to be in Tennessee. And uh, when I, he called me back that afternoon, I was like, well, I was calling you about Thanksgiving, but I got a whole nother reason now. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, you got to be kidding me. Because he's like, when I got that guitar, I had chills. He's like, I'm not letting anybody touch this guitar. And yeah. he delivered it. And on Thanksgiving with my family, I got that guitar back. And we had a big Dude. jam session and. Um, it bet, was, that's amazing. It is. And it's like, you kind of think, well, am I going to still like it? Oh man. Yes. Yeah. I haven't thought about another guitar for one second. Well, it, it sucks that, I mean, of course it sucks that all that stuff it went away, but I'm glad that the most sentimental piece of it yeah. came back. And it, you know, what's, it happened right at the time that the band was ending. It's like, yeah. the band is ending and I got my guitar back. Closure. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is how things work. Yeah. Well, tell me about your solo stuff, and I'll yeah yeah I want to I want to hear about that so, before we split the solo thing. Really, that the seed for that was kind of planted early last summer. Um, a friend of mine, Megan McCormick, who's originally from Idaho by way of Alaska, by the way of ETSU, by the way of the Everybody Fields, back to Nashville. Friend of mine for years. Um, was traveling through Bristol one day when we hit, were playing a marina show. This was the last day of May last year, 2019. And we usually stay in pretty good touch. It'd been a while. And like, what are you doing? What are you? It's like, all right, hey, come on by, you know, this uh, private marina show we're playing. And ironically, she had actually set this gig up for us a couple years earlier. Gotcha. So the whole reason I had this gig in the first place was because of her. And I was yeah. like, whoa, what, the, what are the chances? Come on out. You know everybody here. And she did. We played our set and then kind of pulled an all-nighter, just hanging out on you know on the dock there, hanging out with people and saw the sun come up, I mean, kind of out of our gourd. <laughs> when I mean, not the sun, the sun was way up because I was like, I think we're burning. Yeah. <laughs> um, time to jump in the water. And there was this moment I was like, are we going to do it? We're going to do it. Really? We're going to, and we're going to make the record, this record that we've always been talking about. Yeah. And the the agreement had always been to make a record with her and Ethan Ballinger. Who's that? Um, Ethan is from Cookville, Nashville musician, now lives in L.A. Um, I've known him. because We grew up in um, – his parents had a band called the Cluster Pluckers based mm, out of Cookville, string band. And so me and my brother Billy grew up playing, going to jams at his family's house. Yes. So we have this like – musical heritage, family connection, community, Middle Tennessee music background. And Megan and Ethan have worked together over the years playing. They have a similar production style, playing style, musical sensibility. So the concept has always been for Ethan and Megan and I to make a record together. Fast forward, we're at the marina. It's, you know, we haven't slept in 24 hours. We're out of our gourd. We're like, and I can be really indecisive person that's really hard to admit it's true <laughs> cash cash, is, cash wait, affirms that okay i apologize to the world but this one moment i knew what i was doing and i felt this like it went from like my throat to my gut and just boom i was like 
we're doing it. Like I've That's never awesome. felt so like certain about this thing. So of course I try to pretend like that didn't happen because that, that, the, that the certainty of it didn't happen. Yeah. I just like that didn't happen. No, 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 no. You try because to ignore I'm busy trying to make the black lilies yeah. survive. Gotcha. And it's, it's getting to that point with the band, like just different weird. lineups. And yeah. People. It's getting shaky. And yeah. I'm like, I got to make this work. Got to make this work. So I get home a couple days later, I see China and China says, um, Hey, you're booked for Americana solo. You need a solo record. That's like two days. And I'm like, well, perfect. I told Megan, Megan and I agreed we're going to make a record. Okay, bye. <laughs> and I'm trying to still trying to ignore it. Like I'm walking out the door like, okay, great. I just acknowledged to two people that I'm making this record. I'm going to pretend like that didn't happen. And then Megan calls me back a day later like, we're making this record, right? And I'm like, oh, I said I wouldn't do it. People, right. people keeping you on the hook for this, huh? Okay, we're going to make the record. We check our schedules and we're both booked all summer. Miraculously, we realize we're both in Montana and Idaho with the same 10 days off. And oh, wow. Ethan's available. Ethan plays with the Leanne Womack and uh, Aubrey Sellers and Megan's busy. I'm busy. And it's like, holy, wow, we are available to do this soon, like in a few weeks. And everything on the front end of this project came together in just like this completely meant to be way. What do you got? You were you were trying to get out of that. Get out of what? Hey. Because you were still, you kept asking me, you're like, you're like, after it was after a big tour, and oh, you were, no. you were talking about you're like yeah, I I mean I I can still stay home too because <laughs> it's not like I have to go out here, but I I kind of <laughs> could, but I don't really need to, so I could just stay home. And you like kept asking me, I was like no, it's cool, just go, and you like kept asking like, and I was trying to well, figure out why you kept all right, asking. real talk <laughs> since we're airing it out here, <laughs> yeah, it, cash indecision last year reigns. was fifteen, and what yeah. happens with a fifteen year old? Is all of a sudden they got their buddies. They got yeah. important things to do. So I was kind of home and I'm like, you know, it'd be like, hey, Cash, what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm busy or nothing. And I was like, well, I like, if you want me to be home, I'll be home. Yeah. But if if you're busy, then I'm going to go make this record. And it's a weird thing to talk about. It's tough. It's sure. like emotional, yeah. real, like yeah, father son yeah. stuff. Yeah. But kids you see don't where wanna, I'm coming from a little kids bit? kids don't yeah. want to hang out with me like, anymore. Right, That's if my kid doesn't want to hang out with me, yeah. then I'm going to go make this record. Yeah. Like if he's like, Dad, you need to be home, I'll be like, sorry, guys. Record yeah. and wait. Yeah. That's awesome. Cash is like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'll That's buy just, it. This is my take. And there's going to be his perspective on that too, yeah. which I'm sure is a little different. Well, I'm I mean, glad well, that- What am I supposed to say? Oh, no, no. You need to stay home? Like, why would I say that? I mean, this- well, you had stuff to do. You had stuff to keep you busy. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but so we kind of owe the record to him a little bit. Cash telling me to go. <laughs> <laughs> so I went. Yeah, I went to uh, the band. Took a break when we were in Montana. I drove to Idaho, northern Idaho, where Megan is from, and we uh, rented a, a float house on Lake Pondere. Oh man! And it was, I bet that's a great place to get show inspired. Up, oh my God! We show up on a. A week, it's Fourth of July weekend. Oh, busy! And we thought I was like, "Oh, we're gonna go take a little like yeah. getaway, like retreat." No, yeah. it was like nineteen eighties, like yeah, spring break. Spring break. Yeah. Ethan and I show up and we're like, our jaws drop. We're like, "Oh no!" So Megan has her family all works works at this bar, like the bar mm-hmm. on on the lake. It's in a float house too. And she's got a gig. So we're not there two minutes and we've all set up our gear and we're playing for all the locals. <laughs> and what better way to start a record? Cause we've never, all three of us played together. That's excellent. Like not talking about it, just get in there right in front of people. And, and um, 
You'd all learn the parts separately apart remotely. And then we hadn't learned anything really. There was nothing made yet. We just had a jam session. That's awesome. Yeah. There was no songs. We didn't know anything. It's like, what do you do? You play each person would lead a song and then the rest would follow. And then like a two day, like binge party ensued. Yeah. Oh, this sure. is how it is like, and it's like Sunday afternoon. Ethan's like, Hey, hey guys, like, I, I don't mean to be like a, a party pooper here, but like, maybe we should write some songs. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, yeah, man, I was, we were just getting around to that. <laughs> and it sounds, you know, the thing is like a lot of people should not and could not and would not work like that. Right. And someone's going to be like, y'all, yeah. come on. You guys aren't serious about this. I'm out. We're very serious about it. Yeah, yeah. And for us, the the elusive part of it is making the connection, getting on the same page, getting on the same wavelength, the same vibration. And uh, the music's the easy part. Yeah. So that, that two days, two or three days before was, it was as, just, as integral it was, to making the album. It was just settling in. Yeah. And we that Sunday night we got to work and I was like, I had written a song. I knew this was the first one. Boom, magic. Next day, magic. Third day, more magic. We're out. We got three songs. Awesome. And everybody's pumped. Everybody's stoked. Like, we're going to do this. We found another um, few days in Portland. Same thing. Boom, boom, boom. New material, new material. Um, we did the last session in Cookville at Ethan's family's home, which was a really nice full circle. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, like, uh, revisiting, yeah. like, like, healing through this process, you know? And um, we played Americana Fest with the lineup that had rehearsed the songs that didn't exist yet, which yeah. is a really weird weird way to play a show. Yeah. Uh, September, we were back in near Lake Pondre where uh, Cider Mountain studio is. And, Northern uh, Idaho as well. Yeah. And we recorded in September and the recording was done. So, um, you know, we've been mixing ever since. The mixing is now done. It's time to master. And Cosmico is the title of the record. There's nine songs. I'm playing keys on seven of the nine. I'm incredibly proud of it. It's a It's a departure departure if not a development you know from where i've been and i trust it you know my my words to ethan and megan were the same from the beginning i said i love you i trust you tell me what to do it's awesome and that's what i did i'm really excited to hear it i've heard a bunch of the songs off of it i think just from seeing you out Mm -hmm. a couple times in uh, some socially distant drive-in i'll get you advance sneak peek here cool all right um People can uh, do – so you're teaching, first off, a little bit yes. here and there. And then mm-hmm. Patreon is another way that yeah. people can engage with you pretty seriously. Patreon.com huh? forward slash Cruz Contreras. So I put new material up there, live streams, exclusive um, content. And uh, you know, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. I have a website. Yeah. You know, learning how to – someday I'll figure all this stuff out. Yeah, it's tough. There's a lot to it. I'm doing Stay it with the podcast right now. It, and it's yeah. like, ah. Yeah. How about you, Cash? Anything, uh, any way people can uh, keep up with you? Uh, <laughs> You're like, you know, I don't want anybody to keep up with me. He's, he's, I've been in the spotlight my he's whole hiding. life. Yeah, that's good. That's oh, what no, I, do. I like it. I don't want to hide. I want to no. shine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you stopped by. This was a great, uh, this was a really nice surprise. And I'm glad that you got to be a a part of this. Yeah. This is super cool. I've never had two people on the podcast this at the good. same time before. Yeah. It's super neat. Good energy. Yes, absolutely. Cash, thanks for being here. Yeah, man. Thanks for, uh, just more, well, I mean, I guess I kind of yeah. just showed up. More, but That's the no, best I'm way. Glad, I'm glad you did. I really am. Thank you guys both very much for Thank being you. here. I appreciate it. 
How fun was that? Isn't that cool? I'm so glad that that happened and happened the way it did. And uh, I'm glad that you guys checked it out. Thanks for, for listening in. Uh, be sure to go to patreon.com forward slash south of scruffy. Check it out. Cruz Contreras is also on Patreon at patreon forward slash Cruz Contreras. You can find his stuff there too. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Matt Honkinen, play me out. <laughs>